That's a clown question, bro. Hi, what's up, Bunny? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. And if you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball. I'll say it Tuesdays and Thursdays, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. We're on a good streak. I'm your host, Christiana. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I feel like this is the first time, like, since we were in the Springfield College radio studio that we weren't talking baseball kind of whenever. Yeah, it, it seems that way, yeah. I mean, um, back, yeah, back in, uh, back in studio, it was Tuesdays and Thursdays, three to four, or Tuesdays, three to four in the offseason. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, then it, you know, our schedule has fluctuated, you know, every few months uh, ever since then. Yeah. But yeah. Well, we're, we're, we're at school now. This is the first time. So these last, I think Mike Schmidt was the first history series that we did at school. And this is our, I believe, fourth one uh, between player and team, I think. Yeah, it uh, is. Yeah. It is because it was Schmidt, Dodgers, Greenberg, and now the Padres, which we're doing today. So I think it's easier for us to be on a stricter schedule now that we're actually at school. Yeah. And we have a lot of other priorities that we have to take care of as well. And we're, and we're doing less uh, for the show now that we're only doing one subject matter per week. So it's easier to be more organized and yeah, it's only, only two uh, episodes a week. And yeah, it's, yeah, we've been on a pretty decent schedule thus far. Although this recording, you know, it's kind of in a weird spot. We're doing it at about 1030 mm-hmm. at night, but we're doing it we're, and we're releasing it Thursday. Yeah, we are. This, that is, working. this is what we do. Yeah, for, this is the latest we've gone for one, but it's what we got to do. So, yeah, we're talking about the 98 Padres this week, uh, probably the greatest Padres team thus far. But Subject to change. Could change in the near future. Yeah. Um, but this is this is kind of their uh, headline team in, in, in their history. So going into the 98 season, the Padres were in a weird spot. They finished 76 and 86 in 1997, which was last out of four teams in the NL West, of course, because the Arizona Diamondbacks did not exist in 1997. So there were only four teams. And a last place finish is always bad, but they actually won the division in 1996. So they took a major step back in 97 and 98 was, you know, they needed to see if 97 was a fluke or if that was who they really were. And maybe 96 was a fluke because before 96, the last time they had made the playoffs was 1984. And that was 14 years ago now. And that was also the last time they had won a playoff series. And uh, as far as what the roster was looking like in comparison to last year. They only lost one major player, and it was uh, – you may have heard of him. His name was Ricky Henderson, and uh, he also played for the Padres, believe it or not, among, like, ten other teams. Yeah. Not nine teams in total. Yeah. <laughs> and they made, a, they made a couple of trades with some teams to get better. One of them was they traded three different players to the Florida Marlins to get a starting pitcher by the name of Kevin Brown. And they also traded for two relievers by the names of Dan Micelli and Donnie Wall. So this was a little bit of a new look Padres team, but you know they had to, they had something to prove. They had to prove that the '96 season was more accurate to who they were as a team, and they showed their grit very early in the season. 
The Padres started the season on the road in Cincinnati and in St. Louis. They took two of three from the Reds, and despite giving up two home runs to Mark McGuire in the series, they took two of three from the Redbirds as well. So going into their home opener, they were four and two on the year. Not bad. And in the home opener, the Padres could not touch Pete Harnish, who was a uh, starting pitcher on the, uh, I believe it was the Braves that day. And they went into the ninth, down two to nothing, and catcher Carlos Hernandez came up with the team down to their final out in the home opener. Right, left center field. He might have had it. There it goes. It's out of here. Oh, doctor. Padres tied it two. An inning later, the crowd was rewarded for keeping the faith. Here comes Tony Gwynn with a winning run, and the Padres win it. The consecutive comeback win set a tone that would continue through opening week with this. So the Padres with a comeback win during the home opener, Carlos Hernandez with the game tying home run and Greg Vaughn with the walk-off sack fly. A few days later, the Padres were playing the, their first ever game against the Arizona Diamondbacks. And they were once again trailing. This time it was four to two in the ninth inning, but they had loaded the bases for Steve Finley from winning. High fly ball way back right field and the Padres have won. So Steve Finley with the walk-off grand slam there against the Diamondbacks, giving them a rude opening to their debut in San Diego. The Padres won 16 of their first 20 games on the season, catapulting them to an early six-and-a-half game division lead on April 23rd. Mind you, the season started on March 31st, so less than a month in, they were already looking at a week's worth of games up in the division. And towards the end of the month, Tony Gwynn, was entering his age 38 season in 1998, but he quickly began proving that he could perform at any age on April 28th. Gwynn, a double play candidate, but hard to double up when he hits the ball in the air toward left. It drops in front of Henry, big turn by Veras, draws a throw back, and he's just in safely. Sammy is playing well off the line in right, and Tony Gwynn will occasionally pull it, although you figure He's more of an alleys hitter. Up the middle base hit. Brown charges. There will be no play at the plate. Well, when you walk Steve Finlay to get to Tony Gwynn, you got a problem. And the Cubs find themselves with a problem here tonight. He was hit last time, and he's two for two tonight. He reaches out, loops it into right field on a hit and run. Finley's going to make third with ease. First and third, nobody out in the fifth. And the Cub bullpen immediately scrambles into action. Three for three tonight and scored a couple of runs. One and one to Gwynn. Little squibber toward the left side. Ori deflects it. Blouser picks it up. Not in time. Cardinals coming to town. It's always a wonderful weekend. A lot of folks come up from St. Louis to visit our great city. Gwynn sends a drive. Deep toward right. He's five for five.
He's had one six-hit game in his career. He's got another five-hit game tonight. The Cubs and will not have to worry about Tony Gwynn until the middle of September, and that is a welcome sight as Tony Gwynn pumps it up. His third home run of the year is 14th driven in, four singles and a home run, and the Padres lead by four. A hell of a game for the 38-year-old Tony Gwynn. Keeps on doing what he's been doing his whole career, no matter what age. The Padres finished the month of April with a 19-7 and record on the season. That is the best winning percentage the franchise had ever had through the first full month of a season. That is a 7.30 winning percentage. They were five games up in the division at the end of April. And San Diego's pitching was its backbone throughout the month. Their pitcher, Efor, was tied for third in the majors. And one of those great pitchers was Kevin Brown, who went... Two and two, which is tough luck. Two and two with a 240 ERA. And he was the only pitcher in the National League with eight strikeouts per nine and a sub and a sub 180 walks per nine. He also had a 1.3 F4, which was fifth in the majors. And then Andy Ashby was another great starting pitcher on the Padres. He went four and one in the month with a 2.53 ERA and a 1.1 F4. So now the Padres, after a hot start, we're getting a little cooler in the month of May. And, you know, we've all heard about Tony Gwynn's amazing career stats against the game's best pitchers. And on May 8th, he was busy creating that legacy against Hall of Famer Tom Glavin. 90 for the year with four home runs, 18 RBIs. He was two for three last night. And he swings and drives Glavin's first pitch deep to right center field. Andrew Jones will not catch up with that one. Tony Gwynn's fifth homer of the year. So Tony Gwynn mashing the, uh, the Braves pitching once again. And the Padres ended up winning that game 3-2. to two. And Andy, Andy Ashby got the win over Tom Glavin. Uh, the Padres, in fact, were very streaky throughout May. They went 16-14 and 14 during the month and remained in first place by two and a half games. The pitching was still stellar, but the offense hadn't really performed to its potential yet. And now on to the offensive explosion that was waiting to happen. So after briefly dropping to second place in the division, the Padres went on an 11-game win streak to bring their lead to five and a half games. The Padres averaged 6.7 runs per game during this streak, and Ken Caminiti, Ken Caminiti during the streak, Caminiti, Caminiti, uh, during the streak slashed 278, 386, 611 for a 997 OPS with three home runs, six RBI, and seven walks. Greg Vaughn slashed 308, 460, 769, 1229 with five home runs, 13 RBI, and 11 walks. That is in 11 games, mind you. During the 11 game win streak. And in June, they went 18 9 and boosted their regular season record to 53 and 30. And they were five and a half games up by the month's end. And Greg Vaughn throughout that month slashed 307, 403, 683, 1086 with a 453 Woba, 
185 weighted runs created plus and 1.5 F war. And Quilivo, Quilivio, Quilvio, Quilvio, Quilvio yeah. Veris slash 345, 437, 483 for a 920 OPS, 408 Woba, 155 weighted runs created plus and 1.0 F war. And Ken Caminiti slash 291, 394, 512, 906 with a 383 Woba, 138 weighted runs created plus. And the Padres won four of their first five games in the month of July and finished the first half 57 and 31, five and a half games up in the National League West. So now we head into the All-Star break for the Padres, and they were very well represented in Colorado for the All-Star game. Andy Ashby, Kevin Brown, Tony Gwynn, Trevor Hoffman, and Greg Vaughn were all representing the Padres in the summer, in the Midsummer Classic. And all of them deserved it. Andy Ashby was 11-5 and five at the break. If you have 11 wins at the break in 1998, you're automatically an All-Star. It doesn't matter if you also have a 2.54 ERA that ranks third in the National League. Kevin Brown was 10 and three. Mind you, he was two and two in April. So put two and two together. That would have been uh, eight and one between May, June, and July, the first part of July, with a 267 ERA on the year, which was fifth in the National League, and also 8.15 strikeouts per nine. Uh, this might sound crazy, but Tony Gwynn, he had a really good batting average. Wow. His 329 batting average was seventh in the National League, and his 3.4 strikeout percentage led the majors. Trevor Hoffman was 25 and 25 in save opportunities in the first half and his 2.04 FIP led the majors. Greg Vaughn also had a 2.96, uh, sorry, Greg Vaughn slash 296, 379, 657 for a 1036 OPS in the first half with 30 home runs. He was one of just four players that have 30 home runs by the break. You can probably guess who two of the others were. He also had a, uh, a 432 Woba, and a 170 weighted runs created plus. So now let's get to the All-Star game. The National League All-Stars loaded the bases in the third inning, and Tony Gwynn was brought up with one out. Hey, I mean, he gets he goes five for five or six for six. Toward the middle. It's all Battlemar's glove. A run is home, and then two. Gwynn with a huge turnaround first because Tommy had sped to the middle of the diamond. Now he trots back. Two runs home, and runners at first and third for McGuire. Well, Tony Gwynn is just a... So Tony Gwynn drives in two runs on a single up the middle off of the rocket, Roger Clemens, arguably the greatest pitcher of all time. And in the bottom of the eighth, the American League was winning the game 10-6, to and Greg Vaughn came up looking to tighten that gap. Be down toward the bottom without Greg on this year. He hits it hard and it takes a wicked hop past Brocious. One run home, now two. It's 10-8 with two on and nobody out. So Greg Vaughn drives in some runs and the Padres they did contribute pretty well in the All-Star game. All three of Kevin Brown, Trevor Hoffman, and Andy Ashby appeared in the game. Uh, we won't talk about two of them. But Kevin Brown faced two batters and didn't allow a run, but an inherited runner did score. Uh, but the American League did 
end up winning despite the offensive contributions from Gwen and Vaughn. But that's not important right now because uh, that doesn't matter. I don't think that matters yet as far as home field in the World Series, right? Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's like 02 or 03. Yeah, who, who cares? Yeah. So now the Padres got to get right back into it. And during the beginning of the second half, Trevor Hoffman, one of the greatest closers of all time, was going for a record. Back in front of 54,176 and most on their feet when Trevor Hoffman came walking in beyond the left field line from the San Diego Padres bullpen and why not? Hoffman perfect on the season 32 of 32 and save opportunity and he's trying to etch his name in the record books his 40 straight saves over two seasons as you look at the numbers are one shy of Rod Beck's major league record three two pitch Rod came out foul tipped into the minute Hernandez three one pitch popped up and playable for Hernandez. And now Hoffman, an out away from matching Rod Beck's major league record of 41 consecutive saves. Face to break an all time franchise attendance record. They love their Padres and they love when Hoffman's on the pitch in the ninth. A strike away from a one run win. And that's it. So Trevor Hoffman picks up his 41st consecutive save that ties a major league record. And Chris, I know that Mariano Rivera is universally considered the greatest relief pitcher of all time. And I can't argue that, but I think we can all agree that Hoffman had the greatest reliever entrance ever. Yeah, it's it's Hoffman with Hell's Bells and, and Uehara with Sandstorm. With Darug Sandstorm, yeah. So the Padres continued cruising through the month of July. They finished the month with a 71-38 and record. On the season, very impressive stuff there from San Diego, just continuing onward. And in the month of August, uh, they continued to do the same. In fact, through June, July, and August, the Padres went a combined 54-28 and 28 during those three months. And that is a 658 winning percentage. And in August alone, Kevin Brown continued his domination, going 4-2, with a 1.33 ERA, a 10.08 strikeouts per nine, and a 1.52 walks per nine. Also, Sterling Hitchcock, another starting pitcher, joined the party. He went 4-2 with a 3.43 ERA, 9.86 Ks per nine, and 1.29 walks per nine. The pitching as a whole led the league in F4 during the month of August with a 6.1. They also led an ERA with a 2.98 and walks per nine with a 2.4. And after the month of August, the division was pretty much a wrap. They were 89 and 49, 15 games up. However, the race for the top seed in the NL was very much on. The Braves were one game up on the Padres with a 90 and 48 record. And the Astros were three games behind the Braves, two games behind the Padres with an 87 and 51 record going into September. So the Padres kind of go on to a sluggish September. Uh, the Padres got off to a slow start to the month as they lost six of their first nine games in that month. However, that did not stop them from finishing the job 
that they started uh, when they came into spring training. Church being swung, voices raised as one. Got him. There it is. The National League Western Crown, and rightly so, preserved by Trevor Hoffman. For a club that was down 7 nothing and refused to quit, they deserved it. The game and the Western Division title. And the so the Padres are National League West champions there and mind you just like just like vince scully said they were down seven to nothing in that game they climbed all the way back and won yeah they uh they did a comeback a comeback game to seal the deal and trevor hoffman was also looking for more history on september 14th in the wake of their division title victory Swinging ball game over. Three straight changeups. Hoffman saves number 50, and the Padres beat the Cubs four to three. So uh, Hoffman gets save number 50. Hoffman gets save number 50, and cements his 1998 as probably one of his best seasons as his best season his his best season for yeah sure. the Padres went nine and 15 in the month of September but they finished the year 98 and 64 so now we're going to take a look at the fire friars from 1998 we're going to start with Greg Vaughn who slashed 272 363 597 960 with a 156 OPS plus a 6.3 B war and 50 home runs. Fortunately, his 50th home run is not anywhere to be seen on the internet, but I'm sure it looked awesome. He also had 11 stolen bases, and this is the only season in Padres history and only one of four seasons in National League history where a guy had 50 home runs and 10 stolen bases. Well-deserved, he got fourth in the MVP voting and not much to argue when you see the other uh, contenders for national league MVP in 1998. It's, it's hard to disagree with that. Right. Trevor Hoffman had himself a year. He went four and two with a 148 ERA, a 2.04 FIP. And he went 53 for 54 in save opportunities. Unfortunately, the one blown save was the one where he was going for number 42 in a row, which is uh, kind of sad, but Oh, well, he had a 265 ERA plus and 73 innings pitched. This is this was the first season in baseball history with 70 plus innings pitched, a 250 plus ERA plus, and 50 plus saves. This got him second in the Cy Young vote and seventh in the MVP vote. Tony Gwynn, he slashed 321, 364, 501, 865 with a 133 OPS plus and 18 strikeouts. That is the only qualifying season. By the way, he had 505 plate appearances and only struck out 18 times. It is the only qualifying season by a player in their age 38 season or older since 1933 with a 320 plus batting average and less than 20 strikeouts. This got him 15th in the MVP vote. 
Now I'd like to talk about Kevin Brown because I have a take with him. He went 18 and seven on the year with a 2.38 ERA, a 1.64 ERA plus, exactly nine strikeouts per nine. He literally had 157 strikeouts in 157 innings pitched. He got 16th in the MVP vote. Hard to dis- hard to you know dispute that. But third in the Cy Young vote. And I know that he he got beat by one of his own teammates, but let me tell you why Kevin Brown should have been the National League Cy Young Award winner in 1998. The winner was Tom Glavin, who picked up his second Cy Young Award. His first was in 1991. Kevin Brown had a better ERA, 238 to his 247. He had a better he had better strikeout numbers um, because Tom Glavin had 229 innings pitched and 157 strikeouts. Kevin Brown had 257 and 257, not 157 each, my bad. He had 257 strikeouts and 257 innings pitched. He also had a higher B-War, 8.6 to 6.1. But Tom Glavin went 20 and 6, and Kevin Brown went 18 and 7. Remember that April where Kevin Brown went 2 and 2 with a 2.4 ERA? Yeah. Makes you think, Chris. Things could have been different in that vote if the Padres had scored some more runs in April during his starts. Yeah. Yeah. Got to look at the whole season. I mean, it's a shame because he went 18 and seven versus 20 and six. That's not that much of a discrepancy. So it's, you know, if, if you were to flip one of those uh, losses, it becomes 19 and six. So they're, they were basically on the same part with wins. And I think Kevin Brown should have been awarded the Cy Young, but oh, well. Andy Ashby had a successful year. He went 19 and seven. I'm surprised he didn't get Cy Young consideration with a 3-3-4 ERA, 117 ERA plus, and 226 and two thirds innings pitched. Also, their first baseman Wally Joyner had a year. He slashed 298, 370, 453 for an 824 OPS, 124 OPS plus with 12 home runs and 80 RBI. And lastly, no, not lastly, lastly on the offense, Ken Caminiti. Slash 252, 353, 509, 862. Very good walk numbers from him. That gave him an 832 OPS plus, 29 home runs, and 82 RBI. Also, Donnie Wall and Dan Micelli, both of the relievers they got in a trade. Uh, they each had a 120 plus ERA plus in at least 70 innings pitched. So they had success out of the bullpen. And Bruce Bochy, their manager, finished second in the National League of Manager of the Year voting. Well-deserved from Boach. But now the Padres have to have a tall task in the playoffs. And I literally mean they have a tall task. They have to face the Houston Astros in one of the best offensive seasons they've ever had as a franchise. But they got to face the unit, Chris. Yeah. In one of the best, like, two-month spans he had in his entire career, nonetheless. Right, yeah. It, it was – Unbelievable. He had a 1.28 ERA and 11 starts. Yeah. (laughs) So game one is Randy Johnson versus Kevin Brown, and they were both dealing early. In the top of the sixth, the Padres loaded the bases against the unit and gave Jim Leyritz, their catcher, an RBI chance with no one out. Ahead, one to nothing. And I tell you what. 
So Jim Leritz with an with a sack fly to put someone on the board, make it a one nothing game. Later in the eighth, Greg Vaughn was leading off the inning. Several of his teammates commented that they were glad he did it because he really they thought was struggling to do it. That ball is belted high and deep, but Alou is back looking up. This one is gone, and now he has done it in the division series. Two to nothing, San Diego. So the 50 home run man has gone deep, and that's what they were hoping for. They thought he had gotten out of his game, trying so hard to hit that 50th. And they were hopeful that he would get back into his normal swing. Well, look at this. He's got three hits in the game. So Greg Vaughn touching up the big unit. Three hits on the day, including that long ball. And meanwhile on the mound, Kevin Brown was out dealing Randy Johnson. In this century, one and two to Vigio. Struck him out in the dirt. And makes him throw to join him. 16 strikeouts for Kevin Brown. In the eighth inning, he has struck out the side. And the Padres are leading after eight. So you heard that right. That was Kevin Brown's 16th strikeout on the day in the eighth inning. And Brown is to this day the only pitcher in postseason history to produce a start with 16 plus strikeouts, zero earned runs, and less than four hits allowed. And on that less than four hits allowed, uh, he allowed two. So he was not, that is not cherry picked at all. The Padres ended up winning the game two to one, going up one to nothing in the series and getting that win against Randy Johnson. So now in game two, the Padres got off to a bit of a rough start as the Astros were up three to nothing by the third. However, the Padres got two back in the sixth on RBIs from Finley and Gwynn. And the Padres went into the ninth, trailing four to two. They were down to their final out with the tying run at the plate in the form of Jim Leritz. The outfield beat all the way around. Down the right field line. This one is slicing back and a home run! It is tied up! Leyritz hit the foul pole to tie the game. Well, the Astros and Billy Wagner are snake bit. Two strikes, two outs, and the guy hits home run off the foul pole the opposite way. So Jim Leritz with a huge home run to tie it with two outs in the ninth. Uh, one little anecdote, Chris, we've been doing this history series for a while. We're almost done. One thing I'm really going to miss is just hearing Joe Morgan's color commentary. Yeah, it's it's it was uh, so good, man. Best. He's got he's definitely of of all uh, color analysts, he's got the best voice. Like, yes, he could have very easily done play by play as well. He's good at color though. Trevor Hoffman unfortunately struggled in the ninth as the Astros got the winning one to front to third with Bill Bill Spears coming up as the batter. A fastball, and if you hold it back in your hand, it won't come out as quickly. Gutierrez scores! The Astros have won the game they had to win. 
And they're going to San Diego tied at one. Well, it's a changeup. So the Astros get the walk-off win game two. As for the Padres, they go back to San Diego with time to reset after a tough loss. And in game three, it was once again a pitcher's duel, this time by, yes, Kevin Brown went on one, two days rest. He went on two days rest against Mike Hampton. In the bottom of the sixth, Chris Gomez of the Padres led off with a single, and he would later be on third for Tony Gwynn. So Tony Gwynn legs out the fielder's choice, bringing in a run. The Padres were on the board. And unfortunately, Kevin Brown struggled in the seventh. He gave up one run on an RBI walk. So that obviously suggests that he let a lot of base runners on if he allowed a run on the walk. However, the damage of that inning could have been a lot worse. Near the strike zone, he'll probably swing. That's a base hit at the right center. Alou's going to try for third. Here's Gwynn's throw. Gwynn's out! Look how quickly he gets himself set up, throws the ball, a little bit of rainbow in it. Let's look at this thing closely here. Dives. Ooh, baby. So Tony Gwynn with the unreal throw to get Moses Alou at third and prevent a run and eventually give the Astros the lead in that inning. But the Padres needed to retake the lead as it was tied, and Jim Leiritz looked to do just that. Leiritz the hitter. He's an untouchable. Leiritz, high and deep to the field. He has done it again. Wow, what a shot. Two to one, San Diego. So Jim Leeritz racking up those win probability added points with a go-ahead home run after the game, tying home run the game before. The Padres were now up, and in the ninth, Trevor Hoffman looked to put them one game away from the NLCS. The Padres an out away, a strike away of going to the National League Championship Series for the first time since 84. On the ground, Barris throws, and the Padres will march to So the Padres defeat the Astros 3-1 to in the National League Division Series, and they move on to face the Atlanta Braves. 
in the D- in the NLDS, as you can imagine, Jim Leritz would have won NLDS MVP as if it existed. He slashed 400, 364, 1300 for a 1664 OPS with three home runs and five RBI. Kevin Brown also dealt in two games during that series, pitching 14 and two with thirds innings, one earned run, and 21 strikeouts. Wally Joyner slashed 167, 286, 667, 952 with one home run, two RBI, and a walk. Greg Vaughn was also very good. He slashed 333, 333, 600 for a 933 OPS. And lastly, Carlos Hernandez, their catcher in 12 at bats, slashed 417, 462, 417, 878. And the Padres are on to the NLCS. All right, we're good to go. Here we go. <clears throat> um, we're still recording and NLCS. And now we're in the NLCS. In game one, the game was one to nothing after three innings on a home run by Andrew Jones. And in the fifth, Carlos Hernandez hit a leadoff single off John Smoltz. Later in the inning, Tony Gwynn came up looking to knock the game up. An opportunity for San Diego down by a run in the fifth inning with their best at the plate. Gwynn delivers. Hernandez rounds third, heads to the plate. Going to third is Ferris, and it's a 1-1 game as Gwynn is two out of three. That is a patented Tony Gwynn swing right there. Line drive left central. Padres have three hits. Not a surprise. Tony with two, and he drives in the first run of the ball game for the Padres. And it's a one. So Tony Tony Gwynn knots the game up, makes it a one-to-one ball game, and... The game stayed one to one for a while until Ruben Rivera, until Ruben Rivera scored on an error. The Padres, the Padres, went into into the ninth up two to one, but Trevor Hoffman blew the save on a game time sack fly from Andrew Jones. The game went into extras, and in in the tenth, Ken Caminiti came up trying to get something started. For San Diego. One out, nobody on, and Caminiti into center field. Andrew Jones back at the track at the wall. Caminiti to put the Padres on top. 3 2 in the 10th. So Ken Caminiti makes it a three to two ball game in extra innings. And in the bottom of the 10th, it was up to Donnie Wall. Now two on two out for Galarraga. 0 for four tonight. And he pops it into center field. Finley back near the track. Game one to San Diego. Trevor Hoffman will get the victory. Kerry Leitenberg will suffer the loss. And Donnie Wall will pick up the save. So Bruce Bochy. Go- 
So the Padres in extras get game one of the get game one of the National League Championship Series against the National League team of the 90s. And in game two, Kevin Brown was on the hill for this game. And it was absolutely 100% Kevin Brown's game. And here's the right-hander, Kevin Brown, who was tough, tough, tough on Atlanta last NLCS while pitching with Florida. Last seven starts for Kevin Brown's against the Atlanta Braves. He is 5-0, and oh, earn run average around two. White strikes out looking on the pitch over the outside corner. And Brown starts it with a strikeout. 3-2 pitch to Lockhart. Gets him back-to-back -back strikeouts to start. This is a high fastball to Lockhart. Nobody in baseball changes the level of vision for a hitter more than Kevin Brown. The 3-2 to Jones. Struck him out, and Brown strikes out the side. Lopez off the plate. Joyner fires the second out, back to first. The Padres just turned a beautiful double play. 3-6-1 with Kevin Brown covering first. Boy, was that nicely done. There's number four. A comebacker to Brown. Two up, two down in a hurry here in the third inning for the Braves. And you think you're going to catch that ball in the sweet part of the glove. But when you do, I mean, it just chews that left hand up. And he chews up Andrew Jones for strikeout number five. And he strikes out Michael Tucker in that six strikeouts tonight for the veteran right-hander. And Klesko is gone for strikeout number seven for Kevin Brown. Hitting over. Two strikeouts in the inning. Eight on the night for Kevin Brown. Again the 0-2. Lockhart is gone, and that's strikeout number nine for Kevin Brown. Two gone. Ten strikeouts for Kevin Brown. And the Padres are one out away from sweeping the first two games of this series in Atlanta. Got him over the outside corner. An 11 strikeout night for Kevin Brown. And the Padres have just swept the first two games of this LCS here in Atlanta. If they went on the bat of Ken Caminiti here last night in the 10th inning with a home run tonight, they win it on the arm and on the bat of Kevin Brown here tonight. Overwhelming. Kevin Brown shuts it down. For the San Diego Padres and the Padres scored throughout the game on RBIs from Varus, Finley and Joyner and Kevin Brown remains one of three players with multiple outings of eight plus innings pitched, zero runs allowed and 10 plus strikeouts in a single postseason and the others uh, that joined him in that category Randy Johnson in 2001, and Sandy Koufax in 1965. Pretty unbelievable. If you, if you know this history series, you know that those are two very good postseasons. Yeah, two of the greatest of all time. You know, Sandy, Sandy only did it in one series because that's all he had, but it was pretty crazy, you know, two complete game shutouts, pretty wild. Um, 
in game. Then on to game three of the National League Championship Series. Sterling Hitchcock and Greg Maddox were each dealing. It was 1-0 Atlanta through four, and in the bottom of the fifth, Hitchcock helped himself and singled, then later moved to second on a ground out. With two outs in the inning, Steve Finley looked to cash in. Into left center field. Andrew Jones, can he get there? No. Down and to the wall. Hitchcock will score, and we're tied at one. So Finley ties it up to make it a one-to-one ball game. And after an intentional walk to Tony Gwynn, the batter was Ken Cam Ken Caminiti. You're getting closer. <laughs> it's hard to say it fast. If you try to Ken say Caminiti. it fast, that's where you get screwed. Caminiti needed any extra incentive to get Maddox. He got it with the intentional walk to Gwynn. Up the middle, through. Base hit. Here comes Finley. Over to third is Gwynn, and the Padres take a two-to-one lead. So the Padres go up two-to-one on the base hit of Ken Caminiti. And in the eighth, Carlos Hernandez came up with a man on first looking to add some insurance in this Padres potential victory. To a 2-1 lead, Carlos had none this. A rip into the corner. This will score Wally Joyner all the way from first. as an error there on the left fielder there, and Wally scores, make it 3-1. Padres get another to make it 4-1. And then in the ninth, Trevor Hoffman comes in and does what Trevor Hoffman does best, gets the final out here. Tony puts it away. Padres win 4-1. They lead this series three games to none, and now are just one win away from going to the World Series. You heard it right there. One and one away from winning the pennant in 1998. And the Padres, of course, won that game four to one. And in game four, the Padres were one win away from the pennant. And Tony Gwynn was ready to get the party started, ready for those champagne corks to loosen a little bit. So Tony Gwynn gives the Padres the lead, one to nothing. And two batters later, Jim Laritz looked to drive in another run. Laritz into right, a base hit. Gwynn scores, and it's two to nothing, Padres.
So the Padres up now two to nothing. And the Padres with this two to nothing lead, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately blew it when the Padre when the Braves tied that game by the score of two to two. And in the seventh, after the Padres had taken the lead on a Jim Larratt's home run, the wheels unfortunately began to fall off. Joey Hamilton and Randy Myers had loaded the bases after already giving up the lead. And the batter was the big cat, Andres Galarraga. A two-run inning, and Galarraga pounds it into deep left center field. Grand slam, Galarraga. He opens it up. It's 8-3 Braves here in the seventh. Andres Galarraga finally busts through in a major way with a grand slam in the seventh inning. It's only, only his second hit of this series and his first RBI. So Andres Galarraga kind of inserts the dagger on that uh, insurance grand slam. And... The Braves ended up winning the game 8-3. to three. Then in Game 5, the Padres had a second chance to clinch, and this time it was Ken Caminiti getting them off and running. What it wanted as he cranked one off of John Smoltz. This was pretty dramatic. First inning, two outs. Just sneaks over the fence there for a two-run homer. Padres had a 2-0 lead. Michael Tucker, though, was a thorn in their side. So Ken Caminiti with the opposite field home run, giving them a two to nothing lead. And the Padres were up, but the Braves would once again tie the game. However, John Vanderwall came up in the bottom of the sixth with a man on. With two outs, but instead Michael Tucker got the RBI single. But John Vanderwall off of Smoltz with two outs after Wally Joyner had reached on an infield single, gave the Padres a 4-2 lead with that home run in the sixth inning. And Kevin Towers is looking brilliant. This was a dramatic... So a very similar home run. Opposite field from a left-handed batter. Makes it 4-2. And uh, unfortunately for the Padres, the team of the 90s was not going down that easily. Kevin Brown got himself into some trouble in the seventh, and Michael Tucker was up uh, as the go-ahead run for the Atlanta Braves. Driven into deep right field at the track. The three-run home run, Michael Tucker. And the Atlanta Braves take a Tucker with all five Atlanta RBIs tonight out of the number eight spot in Bobby Cox's lineup. So the Padres lose the lead, making it five to four Braves. And the Braves ended up winning that game by the score of seven to four. And then in game six, 
It was a scoreless pitcher's duel between Sterling Hitchcock and Tom Glavin through five innings. After Greg Vaughn and Ken Caminiti hit back-to-back singles with one out in the sixth, Jim Laritz looked to put San Diego on the board finally. Runner was going to the plate is Vaughn. The Padres take the lead on an RBI ground out by Jim Leyritz. One to nothing San Diego here in the sixth inning. So a lead is taken on an RBI ground out. How fitting in a pitcher's duel like that. Makes it a one to nothing ball game. The next batter was Wally Joyner. Joiner back up the middle and through. Here comes Caminiti. The throw by Andrew Jones not made. It's 2-0 San Diego in the sixth. So San Diego extends the lead to 2-0. And the Padres were now up 2-0. And later in the inning, the bases were loaded with one out. But the batter, unfortunately was their pitcher, Sterling Hitchcock. So Tom Glavin, probably going to take easy care of him. The 0-2 pitch on the way. Swinging a bloop in the left field. That's got a chance. That's got a chance. And coming on, coming on off the glove of Batista. One run scores. Here comes Finley. The Padres have broken it open here in game six in Atlanta. So exactly the Padres have broken it open with the bases loaded in two outs and their pitcher up up to the plate. And the lead was doubled by this. Uh, by this. There's a reach on error, technically. It was reach on error. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Blue pit. Yeah, it's a very controversial error call, but I guess it is what it is. Yeah. On this, you know, display of a guy reaching on base. So the lead was doubled, but uh, Quilvio Varis just needed to make sure that there was no comeback in store tonight from the Braves. Two down, one ball, one strike on Varis. A line drive, base hit into right center. Gomez will score, and it's five to nothing. San Diego in the fifth. Make it to the sixth inning. A base hit by Varis makes it a five-run frame. Sixth inning, and it's five nothing Padres. So the lead is extended to five to nothing. And the game would stay by that score of five to nothing as Sterling Hitchcock absolutely dealt. And in the ninth, it was all Trevor Hoffman, like it usually was for the Padres in 1998. Here's a one-one pitch. It's on the way to Tucker. Drive left center field in the air, coming on quickly, Finley, 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 he's under, he's got it, and the Padres drape the National League flag around their shoulders for 1998, the whole doctor! A tremendous, tremendous ball game, Ted Lightner, I can't believe this. This club never quit, kept going, and they beat two of the best teams in baseball, both of whom won over 100 games, and the Padres knocked them both off. 
They face. So the Padres are National League champions for the second time in their franchise history. And the men who should be credited the most, Sterling Hitchcock won National League Championship Series MVP going 2-0, pitching 10 innings with a .90 ERA, only one, one earned run allowed in 10 innings, along with 14 strikeouts in those 10 innings. Also, Ken Caminiti, Slash 273, 407, 545 for a 953 OPS, along with two home runs, four RBI, and five walks. Steve Finley was also great, slashing 333, 481, 381 for an 862 OPS, along with two RBI and six walks. And Andy Ashby was another great starter. He threw 13 innings, had a 2.08 ERA, and two walks. And now, they're on to the fall classic. So they are in the Bronx facing the 114 win New York Yankees. And if you want to learn more about that team, uh, we did an episode on them. Chris, do you want to remind them what episode it was? Uh, part two, episode 80, I believe. Yeah, that is the 1998. Yankees. The la- in fact, last show under the show to be named later emblem. Very true. Very true. So after Kevin Brown gave up a two run double to Oh, in the second. Okay, let me restart that. So in game one of the World Series, after Kevin Brown gave up a two-run double in the second, Greg Vaughn came up as the tying run in the third. Vaughn into right center field. Well hit. Back at the track. The this game is tied. Greg Vaughn goes deep into right center field, gets his second postseason home run of this year, and ties the Yankees at two here in the third. So Greg Vaughn with a big home run there to tie the game. And later on in the fifth, Kilvio Veras hit a two-run single off of David Wells. Two-out single off of David Wells, I'm sorry. So with a man on... Gwen and Vaughn were due up. Ripped down the right field line at the track at the wall. Gone. Off the facing at the bottom of the upper deck. And Tony Gwynn goes deep with his first postseason home run to put San Diego out in front 4-2. to two. Takes a slide step and an inside fastball, and does Gwen ever unload? You talk about turning on an inside fastball. Wow. Now, Tony Gwynn is the kind of hitter that could probably hit 25 or 30 home runs in a season if he altered his swing and tried to hook the ball to right field. You see from the power he displayed right there, he's got a lot of sauce. Now Vaughn down the left field line. If it's fair, it's gone. It is a fair ball. It's all of a sudden a 5-2 San Diego lead here in game one. Greg Vaughn gets his second of the night. Back-to-back win in Vaughn, and it's a three-run Padre lead here in the fifth. 
So Greg Vaughn and Tony Gwynn, not in that order. They go back to back. By the way, that Gwynn ball was freaking crushed. Yeah, that uh, really tested the limits of Yankee Stadium as a building. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I wish StatCast was around in 1998 because that ball got out quickly and it hit off the upper deck facade. So, like, yeah, I mean, that ball was that ball was smoked. The Padres are now up five to two. They are proving that they can hang with the 114 win Yankees. But the Yankee machine knows no deficit. In the seventh, Kevin Brown began to hit a wall. And then Donnie Wall gave up a three-run game-tying home run to Chuck Knobloch. So now it's a 5-5 game. And after Wall and Mark Langston loaded the bases, Langston had a chance to retire Tino Martinez to retire the side and keep the game at 5-5. So Tino Martinez hits a grand slam, and uh, there was no coming back from that one. The Yankees end up winning that game 9-6. to six. So now we go into game two, and Andy Ashby also struggled mightily, in fact. The Yankees were up 7 to nothing by the third. And in the fifth inning, Kilvio Veras came up with a man, on, uh, a man on third looking to put San Diego on the board. Veras, a broken bat. Base hit down the right field line. In to score is Gomez. Veris ends up at second with an RBI double at 7-1 New York here in the fifth inning. So Kilvio Veris gets the Padres on the board. Uh, as you can imagine, it wasn't enough. The Yankees end up winning that game 9-3. So... The Padres now go to San Diego trailing to nothing, and they need these games. And game three was a duel between Sterling Hitchcock and David Cohn. Hitchcock also led off the bottom of the sixth with a single in a 0-0 ball game. And that was followed by a Kilvio Veras walk, which brought up Tony Gwynn with a man in scoring position. This swings this year. To the right side. They will bring Hitchcock to the plate. No throw by O'Neill. One to nothing. San Diego. Now the throw gets away. It heads into the dugout. To the plate is Veris, and it's two nothing Padres. So Tony Gwynn coming through once again, putting the Padres on the board. And two batters later, Ken Caminetti was up with Gwynn on third. Williams back at the track to make the catch, tagging and scoring is Gwynn, and it's three to nothing, San Diego.
So Ken Caminetti with another run being put on the board, two to nothing Padres, but unfortunately Sterling Hitchcock slowed down in the seventh as the Yankees ended up taking a three run seventh inning for the lead. The Padres got the score to within one run, but they just couldn't come through. The Yankees won game three, five to four, and the Padres are now one game away from elimination. And then in game four, Kevin Brown pitched very well once again, but the Padres offense just couldn't touch Andy Pettit. And in the ninth, the Padres were down to their final out in the series against Mariano Rivera. And now Mariano Rivera. I think what Joe Torre is thinking, and I, this is a terrific move, that if you're looking for, for a fastball, you're going to get the best fastball that we have to offer right now, and that's Mariano Rivera. Into center field for Bernie Williams. The basket catch to end the eighth inning. Padres need base runners to get the tying run up there. Ground ball to Jeter. The flick for one on the first a double play. 6-4-3, and the Yankees are one out away. The starter of tonight's game as Sweeney grounds to third. Brocious fittingly with a throw. The Yankees have done it again. Number 24. They are the world champions of baseball in 1998. So the New York Yankees go on to win the 1998 World Series, and the Padres are swept. In the series, Tony Gwynn did not shy away from the big stage. He slashed 500, 529, 688 with a 12-17 OPS. He hit one home run, had three RBIs, and also had a walk. Chris Gomez did a pretty good job for the Padres, slashing 364, 417, 545, 962. And lastly, Sterling Hitchcock, he only pitched one game, but he went six innings and had a 150 ERA. So this Padres team, you know, they didn't win the World Series, and that's okay because they had a lot of reasons to still hold their heads high after the 98 season. You know, going after a last place 97, following it up with, Probably the best season their franchise has ever had to this day. Nothing to be ashamed of, even if you lost to the 114-win Yankees. This team established Kevin Brown as the forgotten great pitcher of the 90s. I mean, if you go ahead and look at the pitcher F4 leaders throughout the 90s, Kevin Brown is right up there with all the greats. He's up there with Randy Johnson. He's up there with Greg Maddox. He's up there with Kurt Schilling. You know, he's right in the mix. And 98 was really the season that highlights him the most out of anyone else. Also, Tony Gwynn had kept it going at age 38. I mean, you know, he would get his 3,000th hit the next season, uh, which was awesome for him. But, you know, going into another season like this, just keeping keeping it, sticking with his scripts, you know, less than 20 strikeouts and over 500 plate appearances with a 320 average. I mean, that's only things that he could do practically. Uh, anything else on those two, Chris? Yeah, uh, I mean – yeah, Kevin Brown is a guy that just gets absolutely 100% lost in history. Which is weird because he's also the first guy to sign a $100 million deal. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess he was a, a, a bigger deal back then. But, you know, even with or without the Mitchell report um, pointing him out, he probably would have had a hard time getting into the Hall of Fame just because, like, he isn't that, rec isn't that well recognized because yeah. – you know, his, his numbers don't like, you know, his, uh, right. 
traditional statistics don't reflect like a Hall of Fame career, but when you look at, you know, league adjusted ERA, ERA plus, um, you know, his wins above replacement. Yeah, he's, you know, right up there. He's probably on a, on the same level as a guy like John Smoltz or Tom Glavin, uh, you know, maybe even Mike Messina, yeah. uh, if you want to go that far on, mm-hmm. on that level. And, you know, he gets completely forgotten in, you know, the, you know, that, that era of baseball. Exactly. And I will leave you guys with one final anecdote on the 98 Padres. They captured the hearts of San Diego, like no other team in professional sports. It goes that far. Chris played this video. Know the Padres ship tapes to ships at sea so they can watch the games and cheer for their team during the season. All right. And now Jerry's being introduced to the crowd by stadium announcer Bruce Benkowski. Mayor's office had a lot to do with uh, putting on this parade today in such short notice. The city of San Diego, the police, the fire, the transportation, Carolyn Wormser in the city manager's office, uh, the trolley people, everybody mobilized so we could have this one more glorious celebration of what the Padres have meant to San Diego today. Susan, Mayor Golding, and Jerry Coleman, and the Friar. Hasn't lost any spirit. All right, let's go down to Mark Grant with Jerry. Thank you very much, Jerry. Colonel Coleman, what's this feeling like? You've been involved with a lot of championships, especially in your playing days. How's this compare? Nothing like this. Nothing like When we won in New York, we just walked through it and went home. Here, you can't go home. They won't let you. They love you. These are the best fans in the world, period. Mayor Golding, you must be awfully proud of your San Diego Padres. I'm, I'm proud of the Padres, and I'm proud of the fans. You couldn't do much better than this. Your greatness in a world championship. Chris, this team got swept in the World Series, and they have a parade with 100,000 people in attendance. How often do you see that? I mean, I feel like it's only justified when you run into a 114-win team in the World yeah. Series. Even I've never seen that before. That city has so much passion for their sports, and it's not even a bandwagon thing. Like, you go and look at Padres teams from, like, I don't know, like 2007 to 2019 when they were when they were awful, those stadiums still filled up, and it's teams like '98 that really got people invested. Yeah, and um, you know, I mean, I guess to circle back to today, I mean, this is all, you know, the Padres are all San Diego's got now, so mm-hmm. they're especially passionate at this point. It's hard yeah, to believe think- they took the, they took a football team away from that city with that kind of passion. Yeah, it's it was pretty stupid, you know. I yeah, I would go into it, but we're not that. It, it is very stupid. I agree with you. Yeah, I uh, I can't imagine Felger and Maz reacting to a uh, that type of championship. Like, yeah, on you know uh, what, whatever they can think whatever they want, but that city loves their baseball, and they got a great team that year. Yeah, I mean, I would be so appreciative if if I was a player of that team. Yeah after uh but yeah it, it does only seem justified when you when you face po- quite possibly the greatest team to ever walk yeah. onto a field yeah i mean it season. wasn't even a fair matchup no way no no uh no matchup of the 98 yankees was a fair match that team lost two games the entire postseason yeah so they went in total they went 125 and 50 
Yeah. Out of if you include the regular season and postseason. Yeah. The Padres had no shame in losing to that team. No. And good and good for the fans. Because they I'm glad they really showed their appreciation the way they did. Yeah, that very well appreciated. So that wraps it up for the 1998 Padres. We hope you enjoyed this episode. All right. Oh yeah, we gotta get into the uh, this is the last selection that either of us are gonna do. Uh, that that's correct. It's the last selection ever. Weird. Um, if you don't know what we're doing, get with the program. Uh, what numbers are left? Two and four. Two and four. Um, I'm gonna. I think you picked number two to get Frank Robinson. So I'm going to take. I'm gonna go in the other direction. I'm gonna pick team number four. Team number four. There are quite few, there are very few teams that have ever gotten so famous on a foul ball, but this team did so in one of their playoff series. We are talking about the 2003 World Series champion, Florida Marlins. Yes, I love, you know, we get to talk about Josh Beckett. And we do get to talk about Josh Beckett. And you know what? It's a great turnaround once we, we got the team on the list that lost to the Yankees. We now get a team that beat the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, uh, there, there's plenty of those teams on this list. <laughs> we've got we've gotten into a lot of them. Um, yeah, pretty pretty funny how that worked out. But yeah, the 2003 Marlins. This is the one year that Pudge Rodriguez played for the Marlins. Uh, this was the year that Miguel Cabrera made his debut. Uh, Jeff Conine was on this team. Yeah, it's the um, infancy of like. Cabrera, AJ Burnett, Brad yep. Penny, um, a few other guys. Yeah, obviously Josh Beckett, like you mentioned before. Beckett, yeah. Yep. Um, that is it. That's what we're doing in two weeks. Yeah, so we hope you're excited for that one uh, two weeks from now. And we hope you enjoyed these, this episode of the 1998 Padres. If you were uh, listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the videos with us be sure to check out our youtube channel and subscribe to that youtube channel it is called above replacement radio and if you want to follow us on social media follow me on twitter at chris underscore gianta follow daniel on both twitter and instagram at daniel underscore curran and follow the show instagram at above replacement radio and we hope you enjoyed the 1998 padres episode and we hope to see you uh, next Tuesday, where we're going to be previewing the National League West, and on Thursday, Wait a is this episode ninety-eight? Yes. <laughs> How fitting! We just realized this, and it's like an hour and a half into the episode. Hell yeah! I'm so I'm, that's pretty exciting. So we got the. All right, I'm just going to say we got three episodes coming next week. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're. Uh, yeah, next week. We got we're previewing the NL West. Then you get a special edition of episode 100. It's an all-time draft with three guests. And uh, next Thursday for one-on-one, we'll be talking about Frank Robinson. So we will see you when those episodes come out.